0: It's Thursday, and it's another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hello and welcome in. Muhammad Ahmad here with you alongside Mike Nislik, who's back at it. Andrew Gillis is off today, and later, stay tuned because we're going to be joined by a special guest, CLNS media columnist Mike Petralia, who many of you who know him know him as Trags. He's always a pleasure to talk to, and he'll have some very insightful thoughts on Tom Brady, who he covered for a very long time over in New England. But before we get into all of that and more on the Bengals matchup with Tampa Bay this week, folks, Cincinnati Football Insider. If there's anything you take away from this podcast, it's that. I'm just kidding. But in all seriousness, Cincinnati Football Insider is something you want, something you need. It's where you get the most exclusive insights and bonus content on the Bengals every day from the largest group of journalists covering the Bengals. You'll have access to subscriber-only podcasts, photo galleries, and much, much more. It's a 14-day free trial if you start, and if you decide to continue, which we hope you do, it's $4.99 a month. You can go to cleveland.com slash bangles to sign up, clicking on the blue bear at the top of the page, or you can send a text message to 513-949-513. So, Mike, yesterday, Andrew and I, we talked a lot about the injuries, uh, the injury report that came out for the Bengals. You know, we we set the stage for that Monday, but we got the first true glimpse at the injury report yesterday. So to kind of give a rundown for Thursday's report, uh, not much of a difference. Jalen Davis and Mike Hilton, the two slot corners, did not practice. Davis with the thumb injury, Hilton with the knee. Trey Hendrickson, again, unsurprisingly did not practice hayden Hurst also didn't practice with his calf injury the good news is joseph osai went from being limited to being full participation dj reader lael collins who rested wednesday back at it uh as well dax hill was limited he's full so the limited participants you have are the three wide receivers tyler boyd with the finger injury t higgins and trent taylor who each respectively uh, are dealing with nagging hamstring issues it seems like Boyd feels confident he's good to go. I mean, I know uh, you and I talked to him, and he said, "I think word for word, it's just a finger, right?" It's just a oh, finger. He's had my legs work.
1: Um, yeah, it, it, he sounded like he wants to play. Um, or, you know, he said he's by any means he would play know how much they throw to him and use him in sort of a or use him as sort of a deco- decoy role obviously r- remains to be seen um you know he said it does it, there is some pain uh when catching passes he had his middle it was the middle finger in his left hand uh wrapped uh and sort of like a protective you know padding um so you know he said he's kind of uh, he's never had a finger injury, you know, which is a good thing for a receiver, but um, he's kind of working his way through how it feels, how much he should be working, how hard he should be pushing. Um, so I think it's going to, I, you know, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play, but I think it'll be an open question in terms of like how involved he is in the offense. Um, and, you know, Zach Taylor won't tell us those things, obviously uh, we'll be wait to see him until Sunday, but obviously I think it's positive that, he, that he's confident that, you know, he's going to be on the field, but um, you know, Obviously, fingers injury is not a good one for a receiver.
0: With T. Higgins and Trent Taylor, we didn't really talk to either of them so far this week. Um, They were in practice. I I didn't really see exactly what routes they ran, but... You know, would you be shocked if they miss on Sunday? Or what would you kind of have to guess if you had to kind of flip a coin?
1: Well, you know, T. Higgins obviously kind of depends, you know, if you tweak that. I mean, you know, he suffered a setback, you know, even in the pregame uh, warm-ups, which cost him on Sunday. So it's really probably, you know, like when they say day-to-day, that's an injury where you kind of believe them Sometimes where, you know, like it's yeah. Trey Hendrickson where you've had a report where he's had to be out a couple of weeks and they say day-to-day. I think that's a little different. Yeah. Whereas T. Higgins, is, you know, it's evaluated every practice. Uh, how he's how's he moving? How does it feel? Um, you know, I think Zach talked about it in terms of like the he was getting reports on Sunday. He didn't like what he was hearing from the trainers, and then they said that you know they had to pull him back. Uh, he wanted to play. You know, he yeah. said you know he, he yeah. obviously snuck on the field. So that's one where you just it's hard to prepare. It's hard to probably as the coaching staff to prepare for because you just probably don't know up until till game time. Uh, I'd imagine they're probably going easy on him on practice this week to kind of try to manage it. Do you want to hold them out one more week to kind of get them ready for the last three weeks of the season? Those are things the coaches will have to balance here in the coming days to sort of. You know, I think that you know they they have confidence in Trent and Irwin to sort of step in at any of those spots. But, As they should. But obviously, they'd prefer to have their three stars out there.
0: Yeah, of course. And, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I say this as a tongue-in-cheek moment. You obviously want to go to Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase on any given day. But if you got to go to Trenton Irwin, that's not the worst thing in the world. And, I mean, even Joe Burrow had praise for him that I mentioned with Andrew on the podcast yesterday. Because he said word for word, that's somebody you could put with any adjustment on any route, on any play call. You could depend on him. And he's had diving catches in the end zone, first downs, uh, on third down conversions. He had the flea flicker touchdown. And for him to come as far as he had, you know, being a practice squad player, it's obviously a feel-good story, too. But I wouldn't be too worried with Trent Taylor. I mean, worst case, if for whatever reason he's limited, you also have Stanley Morgan. You can use—and I don't think it'd get to this point, but you could use a practice squad call-up on Kwame Lassiter, who I think they called up for the Tennessee game when Jamar Chase still wasn't 100% healthy before he came back. So that's not too concerning. I think having Tyler Boyd likely back, although we don't know the role— It's a huge sigh of relief for the Bengals' offense, and we'll see what happens with Higgins and Trent Taylor. But of course, as we look at the Bengals' defense, the big thing you can't overlook, first off, is the fact that Hendrickson hasn't practiced this week. It seems that it's sort of headed in the direction of he probably isn't going to play Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, that's where that's trending. I mean, obviously, we've heard the reports and you know it's, it's saying it's a broken wrist. Obviously, Zach Taylor said a wrist issue. Um, and, and, I, and I think the one that's the, 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 to watch as well with Mike Hilton being sidelined. Um, he's been a very important part of this defense, and then with Jalen Davis, um, you know he's in a sling, and they're saying it's a thumb injury, so probably preventing it from moving, maybe I guess, or is it in a cast? I'm not really sure. I did um, see that, but though. so that would put Dex Hill in sort of a a prime spot. So you know he's obviously only played. You know, a handful of snaps this season, um, and that would be um, you know against a Tom Brady that has you know two rookies in the lineup like that. Um, that would be you know something I think he would uh, like to be able to try to pick apart. So um, th- I think Hilton being out, um, if he's you know not he hasn't practiced this week, um, what what his status is is just as big of a question mark. I think you know you've got the other. Really good pass rusher, and Sam Hubbard on the other side. You've also got DJ Reader to try to help uh, whoever does step in. If that's Osai getting most of those snaps, I think you can make do. But um, you know that secondary, just against a veteran, savvy quarterback, uh, it can be tough.
0: So before we get to the secondary, I want to kind of start up front because we talked about Hendrickson, and you mentioned Osai and Hubbard how could you see maybe you know obviously hubbard and osai will do what they do on each side of the ball and you have cam sample and maybe maybe even jeff gunter you know what do you see them doing and do you think maybe they try to do something different with dj reader like do you think maybe they kind of adjust his role on third down potentially or they sort of get him to do more double teams I guess against like uh, you know the alignment where it opens up more room for so, for Sam Hubbard or Osai to get to Tom Brady. You, you know I guess well, maybe I mean, how the would offensive you kind of line that? would
1: determine who double team. You know if they double team more on on Reeder, that would be their decision. Uh, without Hendrickson, you probably are able to do a little more of that. Um, you know our, the, the the for uh, the Bengals, it would be changing to be you know more blitzing to sort of generate pressure than when you can't. Rush the passer with four, Um, you know, last week, uh, you know, Lou showed that he'd be willing to do that and, and you know, with with, uh, not helping out that secondary. But I think you're more reluctant to do that if Mike Hilton's out, uh, A, because he was one of the primary blitzers and and really talented in that role. um, And, and B, you know, you've got already, uh, you know, Cam Taylor Britt as a rookie. And then you add Dax Hill um, as, as a guy that doesn't have much experience um, you know, uh, blitzing requires, you know, them to you know put more pressure on those uh, cover situations. So, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if they change it up a ton. I think they just, you know, you want to rush for and, and see. I think early, I think it'll be a game of where, you know, if you're not getting pressure early, you make those adjustments at halftime and probably do some different things. But Lou's been kind of reluctant to sort of, Um, change up what they do uh, with injuries because, you know, they have a sort of a base package and things that they do well, and he likes to lean on that. And I don't think that they like to kind of get out of that unless, you know, something's not working. So I would be surprised if they came out with something, you know, wildly different even without Hendrickson. But at half, you know, if they're not getting home with four, you know, maybe they they, they do things a little bit differently.
0: So you think that's kind of what you're thinking is they're going to do what they've been doing, and then if they're not getting the pressure they want, you know, they're going to try to do some readjustments to where Hubbard and Osai and whoever else, Cam Sample, actually do try to get to the quarterback. Rating. Well,
1: they, I mean, they're always going to try to get to the quarterback in terms of dialing up pressure right. outside of the four line down lineman. You know, so that's maybe batters. you
0: get like a Jermaine Pratt or a Logan Correct. Wilson. Yeah, yeah.
1: but you know, I think you wait to see um, what you could do. And, and, and I mean, the other part about it is, is this isn't a mobile. I think you'd be more concerned if you're facing a, a Tua or a um, Lamar Jackson. You know, right. Brady's not going to get off the spot. Um, He's going to be a very... um you know, not a statue, but a guy that's not going to um, make you miss like Patrick Mahomes was a couple of weeks ago, where you're chasing him down at the sideline. I mean, that's not what this kind of game is. You saw him get pressure. I mean, I, I think the the example would be the Jets game where they were able to get pressure generating. You know, with just four, um, you know, against Joe Flacco. Um, so if you can have that success early, you don't have to sort of um, you know do anything exotic, you know, how to exotic blitz, blitz looks or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned kind of you know Dax Hill and being able to rush your secondary up front you know I'd be a little concerned too because I know when they played the Panthers um, they did a little bit of a QB rush I think which I mean it was everyone it was an all-out blitz basically and they had Dax Hill kind of playing up in the box and he walked off the field kind of hurting his shoulder and he missed well I mean he I, I don't know I think yeah during the bye week he rested and I don't think he played Uh, the week after that when they played Pittsburgh. I think he was either limited or didn't play. So there's obviously kind of that concern there, especially because, you know, he was limited on Wednesday. Even though he was full Thursday, you still want to kind of Watch that, obviously, because he has struggled a tiny bit with injuries. You don't want to maybe provoke that any further. But, you know, kind of going back to that, I mean, yeah, whoever is going to start in the slot, which it seems to be Dax Hill at this point. I mean, you got to go against a Chris Godwin, which, you know, he's not a top five receiver. But, I mean, if you're Dax Hill, you're a rookie and you're a rookie facing against him who's got Tom Brady throwing the ball. That's a challenge. I mean, how much do you think – I mean, we can't get into the head of Tom Brady, but how much do you think he's going to take advantage of that matchup? Well, I think both him
1: and Cam Taylor-Britt will be kind of the prime targets in terms of trying to uh, throw things at them that they haven't seen. Um, That's why I feel like Mike Hilton will be a guy that they'll trust to play – if he doesn't practice, if he's if he's physically able. Like, I think Zach will say, you know, we'll wait till the weekend. If the injury's not, you know, serious enough to keep him sidelined, you know, they'll want him on the field even though he didn't practice. Yeah. He's that smart of a player. He's seen enough. I mean, obviously, you know, a veteran. You know, hopefully he avoided, you know, he thinks, you know, they'll avoid something serious, you know, scary there for a minute against the Browns. But, you know, he's a guy that they just really feed off of, you know, that they like his energy. So I I think It will be something where Brady, you know, will know his personality he's facing and knows that Dax Hill has only played. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I have to imagine less than 50 defensive snaps, 75 defensive snaps this year. I, I'm Probably not even close. But yeah, um, you know, and so that's that's a huge, uh, you know, that's a, a blinking red light for him. And Cam Taylor Britt, even though I think he's played well and held up well, um, you know, they'll they'll te- they'll try to test him. They'll go they'll go ha- at him. And you know, he's been a sure tackler, but I think his coverage at times, you know, um, he's a rookie and he's shown that. Um, even though he was better, kind of. Uh, really made some plays down the stretch last week. I, I, I think they're going to put pressure on him to see if he can hold up um, You know, throughout the game.
0: That's right. And, of course, if it's a situation where you have to rely on him, you also have Mike Thomas, who's a backup safety, who only plays on special teams. But if, for whatever reason, you need that much depth, you can you can turn to him. I mean, he's been in the league for a while, so it's not the worst thing in the world. He obviously has experience. But, yeah, likely they're going to want to go to Hilton. If he can do it, if not, then next man up and that would be Dax Hill you know and on the other side for Tampa Bay I mean you've got Chris Godwin who I mentioned that you know the slot corner Hilton or whoever that is would go against him along with a little bit of Camp Taylor Britt you also have Julio Jones who he didn't practice this week so it looks like he's probably not going to play this week so I guess in some ways how does that throw off well, it does throw off the Bucks' plan but how much does that sort of help out or even out like the, the Bengals defense which has these injuries they're dealing with
1: yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to say what the a lot of teams, you know, it's when you rely on the injury report for kind of – it's a guessing game, I feel like. You know, you yeah. get the guy's injured, but then he plays because these coaches um, are reluctant to sort of reveal the true nature of things. So I think we'll see about that. You know, I think the, the big thing uh, for Tampa Bay is that they're – you know, that will impact the game is that their rushing offense is so bad this year um, that, you know, you're really uh, – with T.J. Reader up front, do you don't, do you have to worry about it at all? And you know, can you help those guys out in the secondary and do some extra things there because the run game is so bad? And when you have injuries there, maybe that kind of helps uh, the Bengals in this one because I think, think they're ranked they're, they're ranked at the, near the bottom of the league, 30, 30, 31, um, in terms of rushing yards per game. So oh, yeah. um, they've made things work, obviously, in the passing game with whoever they've had out there. Just because you know Brady, I think, elevates them and they've gotten um, good protection up front. So uh, we'll kind of see, uh, you know, how that all shakes out in terms of injuries.
0: And I mean, with DJ Reader, his strength specifically is as a, you know, a run stopper, as right. we saw against Derrick Henry, as we saw against Nick Chubb last week. And I mean, when you have Leonard Fournette, who, with all respect to him, he's only averaging about three and a half carry yards per carry. Right. I mean, he's really not having the best season of his career. I'd say. he's probably on the downside of, you know, one of his uh, worst seasons of his career, so you know, if you really want to have a good day for DJ Reader, that's going to be a day to have it. So, it's not like that's another check mark you have on your list, but at least you could say you stopped another rusher for, I'm, I'd, be, I'd be amazed if he runs for more than what Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry ran for. Well, so, if you make
1: him, it's more just making him one-dimensional if you can exactly. get him out of the run game. Um, you know, but they'll do a lot of probably the screens and, th- and things like that to try to, try to you know, uh, get some extra yardage, so that'll be something to watch, but uh, yeah, I mean, Bay's, and and we we talked about that earlier this week. They've just been up and down and inconsistent. So, uh, what kind of team you're going to get, I I think, will make a big difference here. And obviously, you know, their back's up against the wall a little bit in terms of their, you know, trying to hold on to that division and and playoff hopes and things like that. So, um, it'll be an interesting sort of dynamic between the two teams uh, on that uh, with the defense, you know, Bengals. Dealing with those injuries and how they, you know, go against a quarterback that um, obviously is one of the smartest players to ever play the game.
0: Yeah, one of the smartest, if not the smartest. And we're going to have more on Mr. Smarty Pants, a.k.a. Mr. Brady, as we mentioned earlier, in case you missed it, Mike Petralia, a.k.a. Trags from CLNS Media, will join me as him and I break down Tom Brady's game. He covered him for a very long time up in Foxborough. So he'll have his thoughts on that, along with the matchup that the Bengals have to deal with on Sunday. Stay tuned as we have that coming up right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And welcome back to the Strictly Stripes podcast. We are joined by the Mike Petralia, a.k.a. track. For those of you who know who he is, one of my favorite people, a great columnist who covers the Bengals for CLNS Media and someone who tracks, I think you would agree, knows a thing or two about Tom Brady. How are you doing today, sir? Thank you so much for joining us. I know your time is tight, so we appreciate it.
2: Anytime, Mohammed. Um, Yeah, I, I would think it's safe and fair to say uh, that I've spent a few hours around number 12, uh, both in New England. Uh, well, actually only in New England, but uh, certainly have followed his career path down towards Tampa Bay. But his days in New England, those were his most formative, um, I think his most significant uh, contributions to the National Football League and uh, certainly is unprecedented. I, I will tell you, Mohammed, that when I look back on those days in New England, I will never take for granted um, the pleasure and the privilege I had in covering not only a great quarterback, but a great rivalry uh, in Brady-Manning. And, you know, a lot of people are making a lot of Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow now. And I do see a lot of similarities between that and uh, the Brady-Manning rivalry. Uh, The comparisons between Burrow and, uh, and Tom Brady, though, I think they are a little premature. And that's what I think Joe Burrow was... Uh, guarding against on Wednesday when we spoke to him at Pacor Stadium.
0: I do agree. Very premature indeed. And obviously Joe knows that because as he said in his own words, and I know you wrote a great column column on this, which folks can go read um, on your website, but he said word for word, he's Tom, I'm Joe. (laughs) So we all agree on that. But if you had to really just pinpoint quickly, you know, something that comes to mind when you compare his game, uh, Joe's game to Brady's game, what are some of the similarities that pop out to you when you think about those two?
2: First and foremost, Muhammad, they perform under duress remarkably well at an incredibly high efficiency uh, and high caliber. And that's what stands out to me the most. When does Joe Burrow make his biggest plays? In the fourth quarter with the game on the line. That is what Tom Brady ma- has made a career of. And, you know, Ted Karras was talking to us um on Wednesday and he brought up 28-3 Super Bowl 51 and I was there for that in Houston and as part of my column the one thing I pointed out was Brady was down 25 points the margin of error was gone and (laughs) you wouldn't know any different and he didn't play the game any differently he didn't um you know he wasn't Any more reserved, he he wasn't any more cautious than he normally is. He just had to make plays to get you know to generate twenty five points in a matter of whatever it was seventeen minutes, and he managed to pull that off uh, on the greatest stage that there is in professional football. Joe Burrow, and I'll make this argument here, Mohammed. To you, yes, sir. And and I think some Bengal fans will agree with this, and I think some other football fans will laugh at me. The 21-3 comeback in Arrowhead uh, last year in the AFC Championship to me was a more significant comeback than 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Here's why. 28-3 in the Super Bowl was a neutral site, and it was indoors, and uh, certainly the Patriots had their crowd behind them. When they got it rolling, it was essentially a home game down in Houston. Last year, when they were down 21-3, you know, late in the first half, Kansas City was planning their trip to LA. I mean, there's in the back of their minds, they're like, we're going to roll this team. We're going to make up for that loss that we had in the first week of January up in Cincinnati. We're just going to roll the Bengals out of town. And for all the world, it looked like that until Samajé Pirine broke loose and scored that touchdown, um, which really, I think, altered uh, the kind of feel of that game going into halftime when it was 21 to 10 but at 21 to 3 down on the road in arguably the most hostile environment there is in the national football league to come back from that and take your team to the super bowl that's to me the greatest playoff comeback uh certainly in recent nfl history
0: and to do it only in your second season like mr burrow did kind of reminds me of a guy who took the patriots to you know Super Bowl in his second year and that was Tom Brady because obviously he didn't play his rookie year he was the backup to Drew Bledsoe we all know what happened um, against the Jets the following season in 01 the rest was history from there maybe this is way too premature like we said but do you really think there is a possibility that let's predict like 10 years from now when Burrow's in like his 12th or 13th season can we start making the Brady bro comparisons at that point
2: well we'll see what burrow has accomplished after 10 to 12 seasons and you know i mean i know this sounds maybe a little bit silly but let's first of all see if he wants to play that long i mean i'm i'm assuming he's going to get a 10 year 425 450 million dollar contract it'll be in that ballpark certainly um, and he'll play to the end of that contract. Will he want to play um, even approaching as long as Tom Brady uh, has played? I don't know. I mean, not many guys do. Uh, but let's see what ta- uh, what Joe Burrow has accomplished in the next five to ten years, and then we can really start uh, measuring uh, those two quarterbacks against each other. The reason you could do it with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady is essentially uh, th- their careers paralleled at the same time In the same era. And if you want to make the comparisons between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Justin Hebert, um, you could do that because they're all playing at the same time. I think when you start to compare quarterbacks from different eras, that's where it gets a little more complicated. One other point I want to uh, bring up here, Muhammad, is the fact that Tom Brady and Joe Burrow have this in common. They are great quarterbacks who early in their career are taking advantage of terrific defenses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went back last night and I watched the uh, a man in the arena from the uh, 2003 and 2004 Patriots seasons. And the thing that stuck out to me is Brady made some great plays, had some great drives. They had a spectacularly uh, great defense. The Patriots did. And I think this Bengal defense rates right there with that Patriot team. And again, people might raise an eyebrow and go, are you kidding me? Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Lawyer Malloy, um, Rodney Harrison, Ty Law, uh, Vince Wilfork. Well, when you take a look at the way the Bengals are playing right now, the team that, or the defense, I should say, that Tom Brady said on his podcast was pretty tough Um, I think is a little more than just pretty tough. Um, I think they're an elite defense, and I think Joe Burrow is going to rely on that going forward.
0: An elite defense with someone I'd argue is an elite coordinator, that being Lou Anarumo. Couldn't agree more with you on that. I know your time is tight, uh, Mr. Tragg. So to kind of wrap up, I want to sort of end by asking you this. When you're in Tampa Bay and you're watching Brady and Burrow doing their thing, (laughs) who do you see having the better game and why is that?
2: That's a great question. It will be my first time watching Brady in person, by the way, since his last game in New England, which was the Logan <laughs> Ryan interception, the Tennessee Titans eliminated the Patriots in the divisional round in 2019. Um, wild card round. A well, wild card round. Thank you. Very good. Thanks yes, for the sir. Question. Uh, but I, I think Burrow's going to have the slight advantage because I think he – comes into these games a little more nilly willy and free and loose. And, and, and that's another thing I, as much of a competitor as Joe Burrow is, I I forget who it was recently said um, in the Bengals locker room, Joe Burrow is a vibe and I would not say Tom Brady (laughs) is a vibe. And (laughs) I would say because I think Joe Burrow is going to go in with that business like approach. Hey, look, I know who's on the other side of the field. We got to get to 10 and four because we got a division to win. We've got an AFC to contend for. And I want to get back to that Super Bowl and win it. And I think Burrow is going to have a more relaxed atmosphere. I think there's more on Brady's shoulders. Clearly, a team that's six and seven, barely hanging on for first place in the uh, NFC South. Um, I think uh, Brady has more to prove to Joe than Joe does does to Tom. So uh, slight edge going into Burrow.
0: That's a very good assessment. Andrew Gillis and I actually talked about this on the podcast the other day. So as someone who, like I mentioned to the listeners, has covered Brady firsthand, I wanted your perspective, perspective on that. Trags there's never enough time on this show but we really appreciate you joining and again uh Mr. Petralia has his own podcast which he was nice enough to invite me on last week the Jungle Roar podcast you can get it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts is there anything else I'm missing Trags for platforms?
2: YouTube, Spotify, Google, uh Apple you said, right? Yes. Yeah, so you you covered all the bases Muhammad. I greatly appreciate it and Thank you for tolerating my um, cold, interrupted vocal. uh, vocal
0: (laughs) Hey, I wouldn't want to do it for anyone else than you, Trags. You truly are one of the best, and I appreciate you uh, and your company always.
2: I appreciate you, Muhammad. Uh, Have me on uh, soon, and I'll likewise return the favor.
0: Likewise, Trags. We appreciate it. Take care. You too. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast to wrap things up. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we had Mike Petralia, Mike, who talked about, hey, Mike Petrelia, Mike Nislik. He got the two mics. So we had the other Mike, uh, Trags in this case, talking about, you know, Tom Brady, why he is who he is. And uh, he talked a little bit about some of the parallels and the similarities to Joe Burrow. You know, I talked with Andrew a lot about this yesterday. Really, most of what we talked about was the whole Burrow versus Brady framing. And obviously, it's, it's not that big of a deal because, you know, it's not like Brady and Burrow actually going against each other like on the field because they're both on offense. But, you know, what is the impression you get from someone like Brady and the shadow of someone who's coming up like Joe Burrow? I mean, maybe if you had to kind of pick some things, what do you see in his game that resonates with Burrow's game or vice versa?
1: Well, I, I think what everybody has said and what um, I think Ted Karras said yesterday that Andrew wrote about was just that uh, certain quarterbacks have a certain kind of competitive edge, and the ones that are successful um, or that transcend sort of, you know, uh, into that sort of greatness uh, level. And I think you kind of compare it for me, you know, growing up in Chicago with Michael Jordan, um, there's just a, a, you know, a guy like Kobe Bryant um, that there's just certain players that have that competitiveness that that drive to be better than everybody else and i think joe burrow certainly has like geared his entire life around you know being the best quarterback in this league um, just, you know, eats, breathes, sleeps football, and, and that's sort of, I think, what stands out. I mean, you could talk about, you know, comparing their release, you know, quick releases or how they see the field and all that. Um, and a lot of quarterbacks do those things and do those things well, but I think um, there's just a few that are just wired differently, and I think um, Burrow has sort of, you know, seemed that way in, in, during his young career, obviously reached the Super Bowl in year two, uh, like Brady, which is, I think, where a lot of the uh, comparisons sort of stem from um and so I think that's what it is to me just that sort of um that that extra drive to sort of want to win and and be great and and that's kind of what I see
0: and you wrote something great earlier uh this afternoon this morning about kind of the stack comparisons Mm -hmm. and you know Burroughs first three seasons versus Brady's first three seasons and it was pretty spot on I think Burrow might have even been a little bit better when it came to throwing. Burrow less had interceptions. better num-
1: numbers in, in terms of production, you know, yeah. touchdowns, uh, less interceptions. But Brady obviously had a better record, and then the Super Bowl win. Um, and, and Brady didn't lose a playoff game. I think uh, for his first ten and zero or nine and zero until he lost a playoff game. So two Super Bowl wins, and so um, you know that's really ultimately how they'll be measured. Um, uh, you know, numbers won't matter. in terms of you know production on the field won't matter as much as as you know, wins in the playoffs, Super Bowls. And I thought what was interesting, they both had a lot of, uh, you know, the fourth quarter comebacks and and game winning drives were very similar in their first 39 games um, as well. So you can kind of see, you know, they elevate their teams that they do things in the fourth quarter and that's part of that. And I think that's, you know, you do, you do see that in those 39 games kind of how, um, you know, he's right there in terms of production um, wins He'd probably like a few more. He'd obviously like that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, and, and the, the, the trick with Brady is that, you know, it, you can compare him now, you can compare him in a couple years, but it's like you have to be at year 12. You have to be at year 14, oh, 16. Yeah. It's like how do you reach the longevity he had um, you know, because I think it's what 21 seasons and 18 healthy or something like that because he missed two and a half or something. Yeah, he and missed the 2008 and season. It didn't start obviously his first year. So, um, you know, how do you reach that? Does Joe Burrow have, you know, will, will he be this way he is now in 15 years and in 17? If he's age? even playing in 15 but years. Well, I'm saying, but he will he want to? That's right. Right. Does he have the want to, to sort of go as long as he can? You know, but that's what part of what makes Brady different is that he's like, I can't imagine a life without this. And, you know, you asked a couple of players in the locker room and they're like, I would, I think Jesse Bates is like, I'd want to be on the golf course in 10 years. I can't imagine trying to tackle somebody, you know? Yeah. So um, he's, and I'm,
0: I feel for him,
1: you know? So I think, I think that's sort of where you separate, uh, you know, maybe he has the same 10 years, uh, but you know, can you get another 10 or something like that? So it's why it's crazy to even and think about.
0: I mean, that kind of brings up another conversation that I think people can kind of have is like, you know, the longevity of guys like Brady or maybe even like a Michael Jordan or LeBron James, who LeBron James is in his 20th season right now. Like, you know, you got guys who have literally pushed the extra mile. But then, you know, you kind of look at guys like I just saw this today. Actually, this isn't even a uh, a football story, but Tyrell Terry, who was a, uh, I think he was a first round. Yeah, he was a first round pick for the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks in 2020. He's retiring. He said, you know, this has been, in his own words, quote, the darkest times of his life, and the anxiety that the sport has caused him motivated him to say, you know, I'm calling it quits after like what a year and a half, two years. And I mean, you know, you don't see that very common. I mean, you know, it's a very short span of time. But you know, like Jesse Bates said, like he's played for five years now, and in like 10 years, he couldn't imagine himself making hits and getting interceptions. I'd imagine he'd probably want to retire a couple years before that. It kind of makes you wonder, like, will we ever see, not necessarily like a Tom Brady in terms of his stature and his might. I don't know that we'll ever see that again unless Burrow proves us wrong. But Well, I think, you know, luck plays a,
1: a role because you have to make it through a career without a certain amount of wear and tear on your body. Uh, obviously, you have to take care of it like he has. But, I mean, he's had, I think, two serious injuries. What was it, Achilles once? Um, and 2008, it, he tore yeah. his ACL. Um, and so it's like um, you know, you have to make, you have to make it through a lot of seasons healthy. and It's really hard to do. And so um, yeah, I think that's why the Bengals sort of made the priority like. We have to invest in the offensive line because we have to keep him upright. We can't have – every hit he takes is, you know, wear and tear on your body that adds up, that'll you know that that'll cost him time down the line. And so, um, you know, you saw – I was looking at the list of quarterbacks, their first number, number one picks that um, uh, Brady's faced. And, and, you know, one of those on the list, uh, the early ones, was, you know, David Carr. <laughs> um, who, who, whose career was, was greatly shortened by the fact that the Houston Texans could not block. He was no. sucked um, all the time. Like, you know, like a record amount of sacks uh, they gave up uh, in, early in his career, and he just couldn't last. Then um, you know, talent played a role as well. But yeah. you, know, you talk about just a guy taking a beating, and you can't do it. And so... Um, you know, New England protected Brady well throughout a lot of those those years, and that kind of contributed. So I think that does make a difference too, and just luck avoiding. You know, you pl- You know, Mike Halton Pilton's a perfect example. He planted his foot wrong. Uh, Could have been the you know a, a centimeters of difference between a torn ACL and being so able to come in back. That, yeah. that's
0: how Chidobi tore his ACL. And he's done for the yeah, year. Yeah, so
1: it's like those things sort of. Uh, you know, it's hard to do that over 20-plus years.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and, and I remember after the Super Bowl last year, obviously I was watching as a fan because, you know, we weren't covering the Bengals yet. But I remember thinking, you know, Burrow was sacked like, what, seven times in the Super Bowl, the most since Roger back all the way back in the 1970s, a game that I think he actually won, which was crazy. But I said to myself, even if Burrow won this game, I said, is this guy even going to make it past year 10 if, like, he doesn't get protected? Like, because obviously there's a lot of other things that factored into it. You can't put it on just the O-line. I mean, right. that's the Super Bowl, and you're going against, you know, Aaron Donald, one of the best players in the game. So there is sort of kind of, like, not a, a free pass, but some room for, like, okay, I understand you have to deal with him. But, I mean, eight sacks, seven, eight sacks, nine against Tennessee. And then during the regular season, he was sacked almost more than anybody. I said to myself this can't happen every year cuz you could have Jamar Chase, you could have T Higgins, you could have a defense with Von Bell. It's not going to matter because at some point his body's not going to be able to take that. And where I think I had the most worry is, you know, he already tore his ACL as a rookie. Like he was just coming off the injury and I said, "Man, like I don't know how he took those hits, not know how he took him coming off that injury." It's been a lot different this year. The pocket's been a lot cleaner since the bye week. I think the O-line's playing their best football. But yeah, I think it kind of goes back to the main question of like, are we going to see that longevity with the Bradys and the LeBrons and the, you know, Michael Jordans and maybe Nolan Ryan's a bit of an extreme example because the guy played till he was like 60, but... I don't know. I just wonder if we're going to see that, you know, with the up and coming guys like Burrow and Mahomes and those guys like, you know, and maybe even non-quarterback players like you mentioned Jesse Bates saying that and maybe like running backs, like how long do they want to keep going? How long do they want to keep the trend? And So I don't know. And maybe that's a whole different debate that you could compare generation to generation, but I think just seeing Brady in the shadow of like these young guys makes you wonder. It's not about are we going to see his talent again? That's way up in there, but are we going to see The longevity regardless of how good that person is or not so i don't know i will be interested to see that i think it's something to look at you know in a lot of sports not just football that's something that's a very multi-sported question but to kind of wrap up i don't put you on the spot here but we haven't done this in a while um i almost forgot myself but a number that matters in this game, uh, do you kind of have a number in mind that you think is going to matter for this game on Sunday? Oh,
1: yeah, you are putting me on the spot. Um,
0: <laughs> well, that's the good thing about it.
1: Sure. Uh, a number that matters.
0: Oh, man. It could be a player's number. It doesn't have to be sure, a stat it could number. could be. Uh... If you want, I can, uh, I'll can. i go first. You can go first. Here, give it's, me a second it, to think. See, for me, I think it's simpler than people realize. I was realize. waiting
1: for Throwback Thursday. No, you threw a
0: No, so I've been doing Throwback Thursday, and I've been getting it wrong because it's number of the week on Thursday than Flashback Friday. So silly me, being human, mixing it up, but we'll have Flashback Friday tomorrow. I'd say the number for me is 12, Okay. and you probably know I'm going with it, and that's number 12. I really believe – and again, I'm saying this knowing that he's 45, knowing that – He's not playing his worst football, but he's not playing his best football. I still think this game rests on his laurels because, you know, how did the Saints lose that game on Monday Night Football almost two weeks ago? Because you gave him enough time in the fourth quarter to do what he did. I think if the Bengals make that same fatal flaw, it'll be because you didn't, you know, stop number 12. You might have covered Godwin. You might have whatever. Maybe Dax Hill figures it out or whatever. But if you give that man enough time, you know, if you don't disrupt that pocket or you don't throw off his progressions, he's gonna show you why he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. One of many reasons why he'll be in the Hall of Fame, which is his fourth-quarter comebacks. But right. I think it's it's maybe not that simple, but it's really a big part of it.
1: Two and a half. The over/under on times I have Portillos in Tampa Bay. <laughs> so Portillos is a uh, Chicago-style like hot dog, Italian beef, hamburger place, uh, and they ha- it's like my, one of my favorite places when I go back home. Uh, they've expanded outwards. There's a couple in the Inna- Indianapolis area, a couple in Michigan. They're supposed to come out to Ohio uh, next year. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. And they, they haven't said if it's going to be Columbus or here or Cleveland, uh, but they have one in Tampa Bay because a lot of uh, former Chicagoans retired and uh, head down to Florida. And, That's in Tampa true. Bay. So uh, there's one in Tampa Bay. Um, and so how many times can I have the, uh, you know, obviously it's like, Three is probably the most, like lunch, dinner, and then lunch again. Um, my wife would prefer I have it, you know, zero, because, you know, having french fries and hot dogs and hamburgers strawberry every meal is not good, but... You know, when when so you have tempting, the opportunity, though. you can't you can't lose it. So that's the, that's probably the most important number of the
0: weekend. That that's a good one, good. honestly. That that might have been the best number of the week we've had all year. So, so yeah, day I at mean, work. Yeah, props to you for that, Mike and Isaac. Like the Chicago and bringing the Chicago humor, folks. Tune in with us tomorrow. It'll be myself, Mike, and Andrew back together as we give our final predictions, previews, prop bets, everything you need to know on the big game down in sunny South Florida, which. Compared to Cincinnati at this time, yours is a lot nicer weather. But once again, for myself and Mike and Isaac and our special guest, Trags, a.k.a. Mike Petralia, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night.